welcome to another inspirational message from Shoreline City. Good day, church. Good day, good day, good day. Hey, let's welcome everyone who's watching online as well right now. We love all of you guys a whole bunch, and we have a bunch of folks in uh, lobbies all throughout the church as well. So let's give them a big old clap, too. Why don't we do that? We're glad all of you are here. I'm wondering about those in the balcony, on um, the last three rows of the balcony. Can you see my head? Yes? Okay. Okay. Is it even better now? Not that you need to see my head, but I want you to be engaged uh, today. Glad everyone is here. Happy New Year. Uh, just so you know, if you're wanting your life to be better at the end of this year than it was at the end of last year, that is very, very possible. We totally believe that God has a plan and an agenda and a purpose for your life. We believe that he's working and moving and he's interested in shaping you and forming you into the man or woman he destined for you to be. We believe that God knows you by name and he has you here on purpose. Okay, so those of you who made a New Year's resolution to be in church and you're here uh, this weekend, we're glad that you're here. But I'm going to ask that you keep on going week in and week out. We want to see you here. We want to know your name hear your story, and see God do something transformational in your life. We actually believe that God has a specific plan and purpose for you. And it's in the context of community that these things are realized and understood. So, again, we're glad to have you uh, with us. Uh, we've had some exciting things on the horizon. Matter of fact, this weekend, we just opened up our new kids wing uh, for the very, very first time. We are thrilled about this. Man, the team has worked so incredibly hard to make this happen, and I am so, so proud of everyone. I want to say thank you to all of you who have been given, uh, giving to heaven to earth and are going to continue to do so. This is our offering that we uh, received the very the second weekend in December, and we told individuals, hey, you've got four months as well. If you're not able to give one uh, gift in December, but you want to break your gift, gift up over the next four months, this will be month number two for you to be able to participate in that way and understand that it's not just, uh, we're not just raising this $450,000 for this kid's wing because we're already halfway there. I think we're at $250,000 or so that has already uh, come in, but we're trusting God for the next $200,000 for the launch of our Bishop Arts Campus. That is just a couple of weeks away. Man, I cannot wait to see what's going to happen in and through the people in that community. God has a plan and an agenda. Uh, speaking of, of, of our campuses, we actually have our campus pastor from Guatemala here with us today. Hannah Scott is in the house. Hannah, would you mind standing up, Hannah, and waving to everyone? That's Hannah down here. Hannah and her husband, Andrew, have been leading uh, Guatemala for the last couple of years and doing a bang-up job. We're actually about to start a service down there uh, in Spanish. So we're going to have an English service and a Spanish service down there. So be praying for that. Be praying for all of our bilingual leaders to step up. Uh, but just like things are happening here in, uh, in Dallas and in Antigua, we're going to get to see some great things happen in Bishop Arts uh, as well. Uh, also, a reminder that we're starting 21 days of prayer and fasting. 21, okay? Some of y'all are like, what are you talking about? No, I'm not. What we are you talking about? <laughs> That's you. Uh, I am encouraging our entire church family to be a part of this. 
Uh, what I am wanting is God to do something so profound, so significant in every single one of our hearts that there would be a marked difference between who we are right now and who will be at the end of this time. Now, 21 days, some of you might think that's so long. Uh, if you are single and you are about to get married and you had 21 days to get into your dress, what wouldn't you do to get in your dress? I know you would cut out what you need to cut out, do what you need to do, and some of you would probably take it too far. Uh, but nonetheless, what I'm asking is for us to do something spiritually, for us to position our hearts. This is not us earning anything from God. We've already received everything we need to possibly receive from him in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What I'm talking about is you and I saying no to some things so we can say yes to all that God has for us. What are you willing to go without for these 21 days? Is it social media? Is it some certain food? Maybe you can break it up over, over the weeks. Go to our website, and we have scriptures on there about what fasting looks like and different types of fast. But I want all of us doing something as we keep on moving forward. All of you who will be at Team Night on, on Thursday, we'll talk a little bit more about that. We'll be praying uh, for the team that's going to be going to Bishop Arts uh, as well. It's going to be a great time on Thursday night. Well, today I brought a stool out here. Okay, I don't usually use one, but I was so fired up about today. I was so fired up. I was like, Earl, you better get a chair. You better sit down because if not, you're going to be running around this building. Okay, so you need to, you need to lean back, lean back, lean back. You need, Earl, you need to slow down some today so that you can make sure you articulate everything that God uh, put on your heart. So that's why this stool is here, okay? So uh, I might, I don't know if I'm going to be chained to it. I, I'm already feeling myself wanting to stand up uh, right now. Uh, we're going to start a brand new series today, though, called Drive. Uh, drive. Everybody say Drive. We're starting uh, uh, this series, and I'm really excited uh, about it. How many of you in here have a great sense of direction, a great, great sense of direction? How many of you in here get lost going home from work? <laughs> I don't know how this is possible. How can you be a grown person and not know how to get home? I don't know how a person gets lost. I'm like, hey, where do you live? I don't know. You're going to have to put it in Google Maps because I can't get, I cannot tell you how to get here. I don't quite understand that. Matter of fact, I was arguing with a friend of mine the other day. He has a terrible sense of direction. Okay, terrible. I actually have a good one. I got it from my mother. I have a very good sense of direction. I can kind of find my way to places if I have an idea. But my friend has a terrible one. I don't let him drive us anywhere. We're on our way to Trader Joe's. It's a quick drive. It is not, a, it's two right-hand turns. And I ask him, hey, uh, Ben, how do you think we need to get to Trader Joe's? He's like, man, if you go down here, you turn left, and then you turn left again, we're going to get there. I said, Ben, no, it's two right-hand turns. No, it's not. No, it's not. And he's starting to get mad at me like he really knows. You know when you have a friend and you're arguing with them, but you don't want to let them know that you're too angry, but you're getting kind of angry? He's doing that to me. I know he's wrong. So I go down, I turn right, I turn right. There we are at Trader Joe's. He goes, see, I, I told you, left and left. So you don't even know your right from your left either. That's your whole problem right there. You got to go back to preschool, Ben. That's the problem. 
But some of you in here are, are just like that. Uh, that's funny when it has to do with getting to Trader Joe's. It's not so funny when it has to do with your life. Uh, when you're supposed to be taking rights, but instead you're taking lefts. And you end up in places that you don't want to be. You end up in scenarios you don't want to be. And in some of you right now are here and you're in situations that you wish you were not in. And you're looking back over your life thinking, if I had taken some different turns... If I had gone left instead of going right, if I had gone right instead of going left, if I had said no instead of saying yes, I wouldn't be in the situation I'm in right now. Please understand, there is no guilt, there's no compulsion, there's, nobody's throwing any stones at you, right? Nobody's uh, angry with you because all of us in here have made these same mistakes. But I'm hoping as we walk through today that all of us will have some more tools to move forward to be who God has called us to be. Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn there with me? Proverbs chapter 4. Balcony, you still with me? Oh, that was weak, Balcony. That was weak. That was weak. Balcony, you still with me? All right. Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to start reading verses 5 through 9. Scripture reads, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her. And she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Here's the beginning of it. Get wisdom. <laughs> Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Cherish her. She will exalt you. Embrace her. And she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Notice here that Proverbs does not tell us to get a heart. It says to get wisdom. What the scriptures actually teach us in Proverbs chapter 4 a little bit later is it says to guard your heart, but not to get a heart. It's telling you and I to get wisdom. Why? Because your heart will take you places wisdom would never lead you. You're, some of you are thinking right now, yep, yep, yep. Your heart will take you places wisdom would never lead you. Some, you ever have that feeling, that, that, you know, that, that, that feeling on the inside? You meet the girl, her long flowing hair, it's a weave, you don't care. <laughs> She's beautiful. <laughs> she paid for it. It's hers. <laughs> And you, you have the feeling, you have, your heart is telling you, oh, this is the one, this is the one, this is the one. And you start dating her and you find out she's crazy. Girls, it happens to you as well. There's a twinkle in the guy's eye. You love his rims on his car. I don't know. But you, you look at him and you think this, this is the man for me. This is the man for me. This is my year. This is my year. I've been praying and fasting 21 days. Oh, yes, here's the man for me. And your heart is telling you some things. But wisdom would tell you something different. The Bible does not say get a heart. You already have one of those. What you and I need to get more of 
is we need to get more wisdom. The ability to make right choices, to understand when we should go left or we should go right, when we should say yes and when we should say no, when we should slow down, when we should speed up. Look with me now in Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. He says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. This is the Apostle Paul writing out one of his prayers. If you're needing something to memorize, this is a great scripture to memorize the prayers of Paul. We actually walked through these a couple of years ago as a church. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I want you to know I'm praying this for you, church. I'm praying for those business leaders in here, individuals that are interested in getting their company off of the ground this year. I'm praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation for you. Those of you who are students in here, you're trying to figure out which classes to take or which major you should choose or which grad school you ought to pick. I'm praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation for you. Those of us in here who are raising kids, those of us in here who are trying to decide, should we move, should we keep this job or move to another job, I am praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation for you. And there's a lot of you in here, who I know you've been on the fringe of this church family for a while. You would tell somebody, yeah, that's my church, but you're really not planted. You're really not in community, and you're trying to figure out if this is the place you ought to be. I want you to know I'm praying for you that you would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know him better, that you would step fully into all that God has for you, that the things that are covered up, they would be removed, and you would see what God has for you, a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Jesus says this in Proverbs, in, in uh, Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 7, verse 35. Jesus says, but wisdom is proved right by all her children. So, so this is the question I would ask. What did that decision give birth to? When you said, oh, I feel, my heart's telling me. This is the direction I should go. Your heart was telling you, this is what you ought to do. Your heart was telling you, you, you got to make this choice. My, my question for you is simple. What did that, that decision give birth to? Did it give birth to something that you wanted? Or did it give birth to something that you're going, oh my goodness, that's an ugly baby right there. <laughs> and now I have to raise it. I don't mean to harp on relationships, but let me just go there for one more second, okay? Just one more second. You okay, mom and dad? You okay for me to do that? Okay. So uh, let me harp on relationships for one more second. Uh, I, I love when people say to me, oh, man, I just felt it. Man, we're right for each other. We're so right for each other. I just, I, I can feel it. I mean, when we saw each other, there was like fireworks. There were sparks. Just so you know, it does not take Jesus to have sparks and fireworks between a man and a woman. It just takes your flesh. <laughs> this is too free. Y'all are uh, mad at me already. <sighs> Work with me here, people. At least smile. At least act like you're not mad at me. <laughs> 
got the sparks, got, got the fire. You, you, you can feel the emotion. I ask you, is your spiritual life better being connected to that person? Is your financial life better being connected to that person? Is your emotional life better being connected to that person? Are your relationships better being connected to that person? And if you say to me, no, on all of those things, tell me how that decision was a wise decision, even though your feelings were telling you it was a good decision. I'm telling you, wisdom is proved right by all of her children. And what that decision gave birth to, you do not want more of that in your life. I like when people say to me, uh, I need a break. This church, oh, it's these. Need a break. I've just been serving. I've just been serving so much. I've been serving so. I've just been giving so much. I need a break. Now, hey, I'm all for rest. You know, we believe in it. I'm not wanting you to get burned out. I don't want that for any of us. I want your family. Your. I want you to do your laundry. I want you to have time for all of those things. That's healthy. That's beneficial. I want all of that for your life. But I am so fascinated when a person begins to say this, and then I look at their life, and they're not more on fire for Jesus after the, the decision. They're not loving him more. They're not pressing into him more. They're being more disconnected from the family of God. They're more disconnected from the purpose that God has for their lives. But they told me that God was the one that was leading them to take a step back. But it looks to me like the thing that you're giving birth to is disconnection and selfishness and pride. I'm telling you, wisdom is proved right by all of her children. What are you giving birth to? I want you and I to be the types of men and women that are making decisions that are in alignment with the plan and purpose of God for our lives, not individuals that are just making decisions based on our own whims and our own feelings and our own emotions on any given time. Let me sit back down because I'm about to start going. I'm about to start going. Earl, 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 sit down. Earl, sit down, sit down. Let me tell you this. Wisdom ought to be the steering wheel of your passion. I'm not saying get rid of your passion. I'm saying keep your passion. But wisdom ought to be the steering wheel of your passion. For you and I, uh, you might not know this about me, but uh, I actually, uh, I'm a feeling leader. Okay, I, I, I do have, a, kind of have intuition uh, sometimes, like, hmm, something doesn't feel right, something's not right, and, uh, and I do pray a spirit of wisdom and revelation for me, and I, I recognize I get things wrong, but, but, I, but I, like, I like to feel as, as well. So, uh, so the staff team will know this, and a lot of our, our leaders will know this too. Uh, I say hold everything loosely, okay, because you might be over this area of ministry one day, and I'm like, no, nah, I'm not feeling right about that anymore. Let's switch you and put you over here, and somebody else go over here, and they got to go, great, let's go with it, and do it with a big old smile. Hold things loosely. So I'm all, I'm, I'm for passion. I'm for feel. What I am not for is you and I not coupling our passion with wisdom. I am not for you and I just going off every whim and emotion that we might feel on any given day and making decisions that are destructive to our lives. I want you to know that wisdom is an essential part for you and I to become who God has called us to be. And I see the culmination of wisdom and passion in the person of Jesus Christ. 
I see him being the fulfillment of both of these things together. Look with me in John. John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verses 23 through 28. What I'm about to read to you is too ridiculously rich for me to get through in just a couple of minutes, just so you know, okay? It's so healthy and good and challenging and convicting and all of these things all at the same time. John chapter 12, verses 23 through 28. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Here is a principle that Jesus is teaching us about how you and I actually fulfill our purpose in God. We don't fulfill our purpose in God by becoming more of ourselves. We actually fulfill our purpose in God by dying to ourselves and allowing more seeds to be reproduced. But that's a whole nother talk for another time. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, a servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? My soul is troubled. Why is his soul troubled? He's about to go to the cross. He's about to fulfill his purpose. He's about to step more fully into why he was even on the earth. There is about to be unspeakable pain that our Savior is about to endure. He is about to be nailed to a cross. They are about to put a crown of thorns into his skull. They are about to beat him to a living pulp. It is all about to happen in a few moments. He says, what should I, should I say, Father, save me from this hour? Wisdom would say, you don't need to do all that. You don't need to die. Hey, you're helping so many people. Don't you see how people are coming to you from all over? Don't you see how they love you? Don't you see how you're encouraging and blessing so many people? Hey, you don't need to do that dying thing. You should just keep on living. As a matter of fact, one of Jesus' closest friends, Peter, came to him when Jesus was talking about a lot of death talk, like he had to give his life. Peter came to him and said, hey, Lord, put him aside. Jesus, come here, man. Hey, I love you so much. But all this death stuff, it's a little bit morbid, okay? It's a little bit weird, okay? I don't know, I don't know what's going on with you. You need a little bit of help? Need some Xanax? I'm not sure uh, what's happening in you. But you don't need to be talking about death anymore. And Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. What you're saying sounds like wisdom, but it's not wisdom at all because wisdom is wrapped up in me being right smack dab in the purpose that God has for my life. And anything that pulls me out of my purpose is not a part of wisdom because my purpose is for me to get on an old rugged cross to take the sins of the world upon me to rise up out of the grave so that all humanity for all, all for all time knows that there is a God in heaven that has paid 
the ultimate price for them and they don't have to walk in their own unrighteousness. They don't have to walk in their own guilt. They don't have to walk in their own condemnation. There is a brand new and living way for all people. It's not just for rich people or poor people or black people or white people or Asian people. It's for all mankind for all of time. That is my purpose on this planet and anything that's going to try to knock me off of my purpose is not wisdom. For you, you can look at your life. You can think, oh, I want to I wanna live with wisdom. I, I want to live with so much. You're living with so much wisdom, you've, you've caged yourself in to this tiny piece of land, and you're not moving where God is calling you to move. And God has a purpose for your life that is greater than the little pig pen that you're living in right now, but you're trying to live your life with wisdom. I'm telling you, wisdom is wrapped up in your purpose. And when you're doing exactly what God has called you to do, even if he's calling you out on the water, I want you taking ridiculous steps of faith because when Jesus is out there and he's calling you out there, that's exactly where I want you to be. I don't want us being some weak church, some church that's just sitting back, some church that's just casual, some church that's just sitting around going, God, I'll wait for you to show me what to do. If you're not sure of your purpose right now, say, say you're like, I'm, I'm not sure why I'm here. I'm not sure why I'm on the earth. I'm not sure why God put me here. I'm unclear of my purpose. Let me tell you, the second God brought you to this church family, the second he planted you here at Shoreline City, I want you to know your purpose became clear because your purpose is connected to this house. And our purpose here is to make it on earth as it is in heaven. So that is now your purpose as well. That means everywhere on earth where it does not look like heaven, you have been put here on assignment to bring heaven into every single one of those areas. So whether that is in the music industry, that is in the business world, whether that's in the nonprofit sector, whether that's in education, wherever it is, it might be the fashion world. Please understand that you're here on purpose to make it on earth as it is in heaven. Is anybody with me on this here today? Is anybody ready to move forward and be who God has called you to be? Are you tired of living chained? Are you tired of living safe? Are you tired of living some boring Christian life where you just wake up and go to work and go to church? I Jesus did not die for that, and we didn't plant this church for that. He died for us to kick down the gates of hell and for us to move forward and be his hands and feet in our generation. That's why you're here. I'll tell you this. Um, we got a lot of young people uh, in our church, not just young, like 20-somethings, but even younger uh, folks than that. Even just so you know, if you're in here and you're 35 or older and you don't have any ripped jeans, just so you know, you're still welcome. I hear all the time from our older folks, oh, I don't know if I can go. I don't know if I can go. There. We need your gray hair, okay? We need your comb over. We need you in this house. We have been praying for years for individuals with maturity and some seasoned lives to come here and be a part of this church family. Please do not discount yourself because of your age. We're not discounting you, so don't discount yourself. And surely God has not discounted you. If you are here, you are here on assignment to link arms with us, to move forward and make it on earth as it is in heaven, in this city, in this community, and all around the world. That's why we're here. So let me keep on going. 
let me principle of the path by Andy Stanley. Some of you were kind enough, or um, maybe not kind enough. You attributed this quote to me a long time ago when I, when I shared it, but but it's not mine. I'm stealing it from Andy Stanley. Okay, it's a book that I read, and he says this. He says in the book, the principle of the path. It's direction, not intention, that determines destination. It's direction, not intention. That determines destination. If you go back with me to that verse in John, Father, save me from this hour. No, don't save me from it. It's for this very hour I came. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it. And I will glorify it again. It is direction. Jesus was headed to the cross. Jesus was headed towards his destiny. It was direction, not intention, that determined his destination. If you're in Southern California and you want to go to Northern California, but you begin to drive towards Tijuana, Mexico, you'll probably have a great time in Tijuana but you're not going to end up where you actually want to be. You can have the intention. You can have the heart. You can have the desire. You could have even been prayed, Lord, lead me to Northern California. And if you get in your car and you begin to drive towards Mexico, it does not matter what's in your heart. You will end up where, you're direct, where you've directed your car to go. If you want to go to New York and you get on a flight to Arizona, I don't care if you're in Texas and you're on your way to New York and you begin to fly to Arizona. You can have all the heart in the world that you want to go to New York. It is not your intention that determines your destination. It is your direction. If you want to get out of debt. If you don't want to be broke for the rest of your life, if you don't want to live paycheck to paycheck to paycheck, you can have every intention in your heart to want to be out of debt. But if you don't want to put God first in your tithe, if you don't want to live below your means, if you don't want to say no to some things right now so you can say yes to a whole lot more things later, if you don't want to do any of those things, I don't care what is in your heart. Your destination is determined by the direction of your finances right now. You're going to have to be willing to go out with your friends and go, water. Can we go to a, rest, a Mexican restaurant tonight? I want some Tex-Mex. Chips, guac, no, <laughs> my bad. Chips, salsa, guac is extra. So let's just. You're going to have to be okay with that. But if you have so much pride. That you can't tell your friends, I got some different goals for my finances this year. I'm trying to get out of debt. I don't like living chained like I'm living right now. If you have too much pride and you can't say that to your friends, I don't care what your intentions are. If, <laughs> if you want to have a relationship 
that actually honors God sexually. Can I go here for a second? If you want to have a relationship that actually honors God sexually, and you don't want to sleep together before you're married, but you want to hang out till 3.45 a.m., cuddling and having a little bit of chocolate and wine, playing Bruno Mars Versace on the floor, I don't care what intention you have in your heart. You are not superhuman, okay? If the music's right, if the mood is right, and if it's 3.45 a.m. Am I being too real? Some of y'all, this is your last time to church. This is your last time. It's okay. It's okay. I'm trying to talk for where we live. I'm trying to talk to where we're actually living our lives. Oh, Jesus loves me. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Let's bring it back down here to Tuesday afternoon as well. It is not just your intention. And I'm glad for your intentions. Let me talk to you as dads for a second. Dads, you have the intention for your kids to trust your word but you keep breaking promises, you can have every good intention in the world. But if you and I keep breaking our promises to our sons and our daughters, they see the destination. They don't see the intention. Of course, there's grace. Of course, there's times. I'm just telling you and I, it is not the intention that determines where we end up. It's our direction. Okay, I got, I've got ooh, two more verses. Okay, they're long. I'm going to do it. Genesis chapter 13. Let's go here real quick. Genesis chapter 13. Earl, stay seated. Genesis chapter 13, verses 10 through 13. Look at this, okay? Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zor was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. The two men are Abram and Lot. Abram lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents, what's that word say? Near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Go with me now to to Genesis chapter 19, verses 1 through 2. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting where? In the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servants. What? House. In chapter 13, he pitched his tent near Sodom. In chapter 19, He is sitting at the city gate, and he now has a house in the wicked city. Here's here's the truth. Where he leaned is where he eventually lived. He's, I'll just put my house close. 
Now, I'm not going to go all in, okay? I'm not going to go all the way there. I'm just trying to be a witness for Jesus. So I'm going to get close. I'm not going all the way. How else are they going to know about the Lord? I'm just going to go close. And I think it's so great for you and I. We've got to be close at times. But there's sometimes you and I don't have the spiritual maturity or the strength to be able to withstand living near some things. That thing was too much of a stronghold in your life for too long. And I appreciate you wanting to go back to the strip club so that you can minister to the women. But when you have been sleeping around for a lot of your life, that is not the place you ought to go. I'm being too real for y'all today. I don't care. It's the first of the year. I'm going all in here. I'm going all in. I am tired of people living in slavery and in chains and wondering, how in the world am I here? How did I get here? You got here because you've been pitching your tent next to the very wicked thing that you should try to be living your life. You should be going the opposite direction. Do you, my, my preaching is not good enough for a 30-minute message to preserve you for the entire week. Come on, Earl, preach a good one so I live holy. No, no, no. Don't put that on me. Don't put that on me. If you want to live a life that's going to honor God and be a reflection of his glory so that when your family looks at you, they think, oh, my goodness, what's different about you? Why You used to be angry all the time. Now you're walking with joy. You used to be selfish all the time. Now you're wanting to outserve everybody. You used to be all about yourself. You used to be all about going out at night. You used to be all about money. But now you're about generosity and giving and sacrifice. What happened to you is you changed the direction of your car from going your own way and you put it toward the, the, the heavenly way, saying, Jesus, my life is not about me anymore. I want my entire life from the top to the bottom, the secret places to the public places to be all about you. And when you and I get there, your family starts looking at you going, I want what you have. Because your family and my family has seen enough fakes. They've seen enough hypocrisy. They've seen enough people going, yeah, I, I, I serve Jesus. <laughs> you, would you respect me? I can tell you right now, this church would implode if you found out. I was preaching one thing to you right now, and intentionally I had my car pointed a whole nother direction where I was cheating on my wife, where I was abusing my children, where I was selfish and egotistical. If you found out those things about me, you would not want to sit under this leadership. But I'm telling you, I am passionate, not about being perfect, but I'm passionate about being surrendered to my Savior so that my entire life, public and private lines up with the word of God. And I'm not perfect. Okay, I'm not perfect. Don't put that on me either. I'm not perfect. But I'm telling us, I'm telling you as a church family, I'm trying to steer these few thousand people that God has given us away from selfishness and to put our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ and his cross and that empty tomb. And wherever that takes us, that's where I want to go. And if that takes us to where we get to end homelessness, then God take us there. And if that takes us where we get to end sex trafficking, then God take us there. If that, gets to, that takes us to a place where we're growing massive businesses and people are being employed and people are giving their hearts to Jesus Christ on the manufacturing floor of and God, let it be because I don't want my life to be about me. When I die, I want to die empty. And I want my life to be all about the cause of Jesus Christ. That's what this church family is about.
That's what you're about. I'm like, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> I'm all done here, okay? I'm all done. I'm all done. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. I'm, 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 I'm going to end with this little story. Little story of Mark chapter 4. Jesus is uh, he's with his disciples on his way from one side of the boat, from one side of the lake to the other. And his, uh, his disciples encounter a storm. They all begin to freak out because we all freak out when storms happen. You're human. I'm human. Makes sense. You get a little scared. They get scared, and you would think they would turn around because the storm seems like it's about to take their life. But when you keep reading through the end of Mark chapter 4 and you get into chapter 5, you discover that there was a man on the other side of the lake where Jesus was directing the boat. There's a man over there who has been chained He's been living among the tombs. He is possessed and oppressed by evil spirits. And when Jesus shows up there in Mark chapter 5, he brings freedom to that man. The direction of the ship was for them to go to the other side and bring freedom to a man that had been chained for years. The storm came to stop them from getting to the miracle that was on the other side. You and I think storms come and we've done something wrong, but you could very well be doing something right and the same storm comes. And I just want you to position your heart right now that you're not looking for the easiest way. You're not looking for the path of least resistance because if you want to be a passionate follower of Jesus Christ, storms will come. But the storm was a bluff. Okay, the storm was telling them, oh, don't go, don't go over there. You, you can't make it. You can't make it. It was a bluff. The storm you're facing right now is a bluff. Tell me, oh, you can't make it. You can't make it. You can't make it through this health challenge. You can't make it through this marital difficulty. You can't make it through this going on with your kids or with your schooling or with your finances. It's a bluff. If you'll push through that pain, if you'll push through that storm, on the other side of it is healing and restoration, not just for yourself, but for our community and our world and our family as well. I'm telling you, you've been put here to make it on earth as it is in heaven. I, uh, I'm excited about this year. I'm actually incredibly fired up. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. We're on the journey of a lifetime. Y'all, we are just getting started, and God put you here on purpose. Let's go all in together, not just with intention, but with direction and allowing God to lead us exactly where he wants to take us. If you wouldn't mind, bow your heads just for a moment. If you're here today, you've never given your heart and your life to Christ. You've never made him number one. You've never made him first. You've never made him boss of your life. Maybe you're watching online and Jesus Christ is not number one in your life. He's not first. He's not boss. And you're looking at your life right now and you might say, I believe in God. You might even say, I got confirmed as a child. You might even say, I, I got baptized. But right now you have not surrendered your heart and your life to Jesus just want you to know his grace and his love is here. 
So if you are here today and that is you, you've never given your heart to Christ. At one point in time you did, you slipped away and you've gone another direction. And today you are ready to say yes to Jesus because he already said yes to you. And you're ready to get on a path where you follow him with all of your heart and all of your life. And I'm not asking, do you want to be perfect? I'm asking, do you want to live surrendered to the way and to the person of Jesus Christ? If that is you here, I want you to know it is God that is drawing you closer to his heart right now. And on the count of three, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand in the air and say, yes, that is me. I want to give my heart and my life to Christ. Ready? One, two, three. Just lift your hands up. You're saying, yes, that is me. I want to give my heart and my life to Christ. You're saying, yes, I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want to go his way. You're saying, yes, I don't want my own path. I want his path. I want you to raise your hand up high on the balcony, on the floor. You're saying, yes, I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want to go his way. I want to surrender my heart and my life to Jesus Christ. Who else wants to get in on this prayer? In the lobby, online, I don't care where you are right now. I just want you to know that God cares for you and he loves you so much. Who else? Who else is saying, yeah, that's me. That's my heart. I can feel my heart uh, fluttering in my chest right now. I feel God drawing me closer. I feel him calling me home. If that's you here, just raise your hand up. I ask everyone to do me a favor. Every person in this place, every person in the sound of my voice, put your hand over your heart right now. I want you to repeat this prayer out loud after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I've made mistakes. Today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's lift our heads up and let's clap our hands with enthusiasm for every friend, every family member, giving their heart and their life to Jesus. We celebrate this moment in your life. We hope you have been inspired to make it on earth as it is in heaven. For more information, please visit our website. 